there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. We've been looking at the series, The Ingredients of Building, because we are in a season of building, and I believe you're also in that season as well. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I must build something. And our focus has been on Genesis chapter 11, where we see this group of people that initially was amorphous coming together. And when they came together, they were able to conceive the idea of building. And we've been looking at several qualities that we see in this group that can help us to build. That's why I'm calling this series The Ingredients of Building. And one of them is they were united at heart. Amen. Secondly, they had a mind to work. And thirdly, where we are at is they were of one speech. They were speaking one language. Verse 1 says the whole, the whole earth had one language and one speech. Verse 3 says, then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and make them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. So you can see that they had one speech, one language. And we went deeper to look at the language of the kingdom that rallies all of us to become builders. What is this language of the kingdom that can gather us and bring us together, can make us collaborate with one another when it comes to building God's house. And we find this language in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 6 where Paul says, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching. And in that verse, you can see the language of the kingdom. Because Paul says, if I speak in tongues, you will not understand. I have to speak in a language that you can understand. And this language is the language of revelation, is the language of knowledge, is the language of prophecy, and is the language of teaching. And so last Sunday, we looked at the language of revelation. And today, if you'll allow me, I want to speak on the language of knowledge. Somebody shout the language of knowledge. Knowledge, ladies and gentlemen, is the acquisition of truth, information, and principles that determines the range of one's information or understanding. I'll take that again. Knowledge is the acquisition of truth, information, and principles that determine the range of one's information or understanding. You need to understand that people are at different levels of understanding because of the different levels of education that they find themselves in. We are not all educated at the same level. When it comes to education, there are others who are more educated than other people. 
They are people who are very, very educated. They have gone to uh, very prestigious schools, nice schools, wonderful schools. And they have progressed. They finished, you know, uh, primary school, went to high school, finished high school, went to the university, did their master's, did their doctorate, and they are on their way to becoming professors. You know, there are people who have really, really, you know, um, pursued their education to very high levels. And they went to good schools where they were taught by good teachers. Not every school has good teachers. You understand what I'm saying? I used to be in a school and the teacher was teaching us geography. And he was teaching us the difference between faulting and faulting. <laughs> faulting with a T and faulting with a T. And he told us one T has a head and another T had a stomach. <laughs> Some of you will not understand what I'm talking about. For those who did geography, you understand, there is folding and faulting. So you can also see the different levels of education. Oh, some of you are not even getting what I'm talking about. So we, we tell your neighbor, we are at different levels when it comes to education. Some are at the average level. In fact, the average, average level is where the majority are. Average level. It's where the majority are. They have finished primary school. They have finished secondary school. And they stopped there. Isn't it? <clears throat> you don't want to respond. <laughs> ask your neighbor, how far did you go? And tell them, tell, uh, tell them to tell you the truth. Just ask them, how far did you go? Please, if your neighbor is not talking to you, just understand. They did not go very far. But also we have those who are illiterate. Very sad, isn't it? Never went to school. Or they went to school, but they were escorting others. Went to school, came out of school with nothing. Nothing was going in. Sit, you listen to the teacher, nothing goes in. You know, and the others didn't get who didn't get an opportunity to actually go to school and study. So we are at different levels. That's why our understanding is also different. As a leader, I have come to discover that when the brain is not refined, you're gonna be dealing with a lot of problems. When you deal with somebody who is illiterate, it's very difficult. You will have so many challenges. You'll have so many things that you have to deal with if you're dealing with somebody who is illiterate. When you give them instructions, they will do what their brain is telling them, not what you have told them. When you give them some work to do, they will do the work according to the level of their understanding, not according to the level of the instruction. So when you're dealing with someone who has illiteracy, 
in their brain, in their head, it can be very, very difficult to make them do something. But this, what, this is what I want you to understand, that knowledge is very important. The best thing you can do to yourself, apart from getting saved, is to put some knowledge in your common oblangata. Tell your neighbor, he has said something very profound. Even if you don't know what profound means, just tell your neighbor, he has said something very profound. Something very powerful. The best thing you can do, apart from Jesus, apart from just eating healthy, is to put some knowledge in your brain. Because the largest muscle in your body is your brain. Let me say that again. The largest muscle in your body is not even the heart, it's the brain. Because the brain can receive as much as you give it. You can read books and the brain will still ask for more. You can expose yourself to information, but the brain will never say enough. It will keep on asking for more. And this is the truth about life. There are certain jobs you'll never have or you'll never get if you don't have certain qualifications. You can pray, you can fast, you can jump up, you can roll on the floor, you can lobby, you can ask your uncle to help you, you can ask your auntie to help you, but let me tell you, there are some jobs you will never get because the requirements disqualify you. Hey, did you come to church? Did you come to hear the truth this morning? Tell your neighbor, it's the language of knowledge. It's the language of knowledge. So you might see some job opportunities or vacancies in the newspaper, but when you start looking at the qualifications, you realize the more you read the qualifications, <laughs> the more you are detaching from that position because you don't have the expertise, you don't have the knowledge that is needed for you to perform as far as that vacancy or that, that job opportunity is concerned. Amen. And that's why I also believe pastors also need to go to school. Yes. You see, it's important to have a zeal, which is good. But let me tell you, it's important also go to school and add some knowledge. Study a few things here and there. Refine your brain. Because some of the people who are coming to your church are going to be educated people. And you can't sell them brooms and padlocks. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, so you have to refine your mind. My daughters, please read. Refine your head. Hallelujah. Don't just be beautiful and you're stupid. or I should not say the truth. Read. Go to school. Put some knowledge in your head. Amen. Gentlemen, study. A lot of men are intimidated by ladies who are educated. Why don't you also raise your standard? Raise your standard. Don't say, oh, me, I can never marry an educated woman. No, raise your standard. 
Let's have two professors getting married. I know you can't clap, but it's, 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 it's powerful. Yeah, if you are eyeing a lady and she's educated, before you approach her, go and get some papers. So when she pulls out something, you also have something to pull out. So you can engage. Hallelujah. Tell me, but knowledge is important. The language of the kingdom is the language of knowledge. Hallelujah. Can we go a little bit deeper? Education, ladies and gentlemen, is also at the heart of our Christian faith. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. The Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. This is God speaking and saying, my people, my children are destroyed because they don't have knowledge. And it continues to say, because you have rejected knowledge. When you finished Form 4, you said even a billboard I will not read. <laughs> the Bible says, because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. So you can see that God is also very intentional about us acquiring knowledge. He says your destruction is not because the devil is after you. Your destruction, my children, is because you have despised knowledge. You are ignorant. You lack knowledge because there are things that you need to solve with knowledge, not prayer. There are things which answer to knowledge, not fasting. There are things which answer to knowledge, not beauty. Are we together? Please encourage me so that I keep preaching. Don't shut me down. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, I will not have you to be ignorant brethren. His desire was for the church to be informed. Paul knew how destructive and retrogressive ignorance can be. That's why Paul was a scholar. And so he says, I will not have you to be ignorant. I know you love God. I know you serve God. I know you come to church. But he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to be informed. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 5. The Bible says, a wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. Knowledge, ladies and gentlemen, is important because strength, is not just a function of food. Strength is also a function of knowledge. Mm -hmm. I'll say that again. Strength is not just a function of food. Strength is a function of knowledge. Knowledge is like multivitamins that fortify you as a person. It makes you accomplish great things. Look at these people in Genesis chapter 11. You can tell they were knowledgeable when it comes to building. That's why they talked about building a city and building a tower. 
and they, 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 they wanted to build something that will go all the way up to get to the heavens. It takes knowledge to think like that. And it takes knowledge to speak like that. <laughs> you know, I was watching this hotel that has been built in the sea, in Dubai. It's, it's an idea that was conceived with someone. And he gathered every, every man that he knows is the best when it comes to building. All over the world, they all went to Dubai. He told them, this is what I want. And they said, it's something that we've never done before, but because you want it, we will do it. And they put their heads together. And now we have a hotel that has been built in the sea. If you see how they suspended that hotel in the sea, I mean, that is knowledge. knowledge. The hotel stands on sand with all the waves, wind, whatever, and it is there, and people are going there. And I'm planning to go there. You'll be there too. Tell your neighbor I'll be there as well. Make sure you take selfies so that your neighbor can believe you are there, isn't it? It's knowledge. Knowledge. Tell your neighbor, it's the power of knowledge. Knowledge will increase your strength. Knowledge will equip you as a person. That's why you see the countries that have really developed or advanced in knowledge. We call them superpower countries. Superpower nations. Because they have advanced military hardware. Those are countries that even us as Kenyans, we cannot, we cannot provoke them. Isn't it true? Yeah. Even when we shout, we shout from our little corner. But we cannot really, really provoke them. Because if they sneeze, leave alone coughing, if they just sneeze, who will disappear, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's knowledge. It's knowledge which has... Now, some of those countries are now even ruling the world. I know we are talking about us being free. We have Madaraka Day. We have all these days, you know. But let me tell you, we are still being colonized in a way because they are way ahead of us. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Even the treatment we are using here, when you go there, you realize that we are steps behind with the methods we are using to treat some of the diseases. Oh, yes. Yeah, even these things women use to protect themselves here. When you go to some countries, those are things they stopped using long time ago. They even wondered, oh, you are still using these things. <laughs> Please don't tell me to go deeper. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them about knowledge. Tell them again, knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. You need knowledge. You need knowledge. If you get knowledge, I'm telling you, you have an upper hand. Let's move forward. Let's look at the progression of knowledge. Because it's the language of the kingdom. Progression of knowledge. Number one is awareness. This is knowledge we acquire through our five physical senses. That is sight, sound, smell, taste, 
and touch. That's where our knowledge begins from. We use these senses to apply the reasoning ability of, to apply, to apply to the reasoning ability of our brain. That's why when a child is born, he slowly, you know, becomes aware of his environment through these five senses. The child will begin to know what food is with time. When it is hot, the child will know it is hot. When there is movement, you will see the eyes of the child moving. When there is music, you will see the child is trying to listen because it's something that is making sense. So the child is using all these five senses to try and make sense of the new environment that he has found himself in. Secondly is experience. Experience is another avenue of knowledge. As the child grows, the child is learning also through experiences. As the child is walking and falls down and hurts its leg or something, it, it, the child will learn from that experience. When the child does something wrong and the father is angry and decides to spank him, the child will learn from that experience. When the child sees a bright flame and puts a finger in that flame and gets burned, the child will know this thing is not my friend. And next time the child will not put um, its finger in that flame of fire. But all, all of us as well, we learn from many experiences. Experience is a teacher that gives you knowledge, isn't it? When you go through a bad experience, you learn something out of it. When you go through a good experience, you learn something out of it. When you date and it doesn't work, you learn something out of it. When you enter into partnership with someone, you know, for, for a business venture and it doesn't work, you learn, you know, something out of it. Isn't it? Every experience we go through leaves us with a lesson. So experiences will always teach you something. Amen? Come on, talk to me. Isn't it true? When, 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 when somebody dies in your family, it teaches you something. It teaches you something. You don't just mourn and you, you let it go. It teaches you something. about. It will teach you something about life. You will start, you know, examining yourself, asking yourself, are you also ready? When your time comes, it will always teach you something. Experience will always leave you with um, a lesson. Amen. When you fall in love with a wrong person, mercy, it will teach you character development. Isn't it? Tell your neighbor it is a lesson. Number three, another stage of learning is formal education. When you go to school, your mind is stretched. Your mind is challenged. Your mind is refined in a way. And I mentioned it in my opening remarks. When you go to school, something happens to your mind as you're learning mathematics, English, history, geography, um, social studies. I don't know if they still have home science. Home science. <laughs> Our home science, we learned how to make eggs. You know, we, you learn something through all these subjects. Amen. So your mind is refined, your mind is stretched, and your mind is 
challenged to be able to think deeply. Also, when you go through formal education, it improves on your communication. You are able to communicate. You are able to communicate. You are able to speak. You are able to communicate in English. Praise the Lord. You are able to communicate in Swahili. Formal education makes you think strategically. It widens your perspective about life. You learn principles of business, principles of leadership, principles of ministry. You can never leave school the same way. You live with some knowledge. Your mind is stretched. Amen. Formal education is very powerful. That's why, please make sure that you take your children to school. Do everything within your power as a parent to take your children to school. Amen? Make sure they study. I told my children, I'll take you until the place where you say, Daddy, we are tired. I'll take you as far as you want to go. I'll make sure you study because I have seen the blessings of education. I've seen the blessings of formal education. You know, one day, one day, I traveled to go to a country that begins with a U. <laughs> and then my host decided to take me to a golf course so we can play golf. It was a competition, so we went to play golf. And then he told me, you know, you're going to meet a lot of Kenyans in this competition. And then he told me, these are children who are here studying in this country. And most of them are the children of your politicians. So we went and they were introducing me, said this is the son of so and so, this is the daughter of so and so, this is the son of so-and-so, this is a daughter of so-and-so, and we were playing golf, and I was so interested to know, so what, what are you doing here? And they say, I came to study. And when they mentioned the universities, I said, wow, these are our future politicians. These are our future leaders. They are taken there, they go to prestigious universities to study, and then they come and take the plump jobs in this country. Hmm? So, somebody comes with papers from Harvard. Your child comes with papers from Kanzonzweni. <laughs> Who will be picked first? Tell your neighbor, that is the difference. And so these politicians, they know that they will not be here forever. And so they raise their children to take after them. They educate them, they take them to some of these nice, beautiful, wonderful universities and colleges. 
Because they know in future they will come and rule the country. That's why you should never take lightly the education of your children. You understand? Don't get to form four, then you tell the firstborn, the rest, nimekwachia. Tell your neighbor, that's nonsense. It's your responsibility to educate every child you bring in this world. Take them to the universities. Whatever you can do, make sure that they study well. Hallelujah. Am I preaching to somebody here? Tell your neighbor, it's the language of the kingdom. My people are destroyed. Our children are destroyed for lack of education. Lack of knowledge. We have to ensure that we give them the right knowledge so that they can do well in their generation. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3 to 5. The Bible says, by wisdom the house is built. By understanding it is established. But by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Wisdom builds. Understanding establishes. But knowledge fills. Because you can have a building but it's not filled. Talk to me. You can have a room but it's not filled. It is knowledge that fills the rooms. And what does knowledge fill the rooms with? Precious and pleasant riches. Knowledge fills the empty spaces. Not just of our house, but of our lives as well. Because we come into this world with a lot of empty spaces in our heads. We don't know much. We are naive. We are still ignorant. But knowledge begins to fill every empty space in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives with precious and pleasant riches. And that is what will propel your life forward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why we go to school. So we may fill the empty spaces. Some of us, we are being abused by teachers because they could see empty spaces. Isn't it? They said your head is full of? He could see spaces. <laughs> Please talk to me. Why are you not talking to me this morning? Yeah. The teacher could see empty spaces. That's why knowledge comes and he feels, oh, knowledge comes and fills all these empty spaces within us with pleasant and precious riches. Praise the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, when all the spaces are filled in your life, you become valuable. You see, let me give you an example. For example, why do you go to a doctor? Because you can't treat yourself. There's an empty space. That's why you go to a doctor, isn't it? A doctor who has filled that empty space in his life. And that doctor, because he took time to fill the empty spaces, you, you are playing. Before you even meet that doctor, they have already charged you 3,000 shillings. You are paying for the years he spent learning while you, you are jumping the fence. 
skipping school to go by the way where were you going <laughs> he was busy feeling because he was feeling the empty space because in future he knows you will need him you understand what i'm talking about you know one time i took my son to go and see um, a dermatologist. A dermatologist is a skin specialist. And the, 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 the interaction did not last for five minutes. Just looked at my son, examined him. He had something on his skin, examined, examined, said, this one we can remove like this. He took a machine, blah, 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 blah. He removed it. Five minutes done. Then he told me, As on your way out, see my secretary. When I go to the secretary, the secretary was waiting for me with a bill of 10,000 shillings. Oh, I protested. I went back. I said, you are stealing from me. He said, no. You are paying for my services. I even threatened him with scriptures. <laughs> he said, no, I'm also a Christian. You are paying for my services. Then he asked me a question. Should I tell you what he asked me? Hmm? Why do you want to know? He asked me, how many dermatologists do you know of in this country? I said, what's your name again? <laughs> I, tell, I told him, thank you very much. And I left. He told me the truth. You, how many do you know? Some of you cannot even pronounce the Dharma word. <laughs> so you can see. You can see. I was paying for his services. Yes, I was paying for his services. That's why knowledge is strength. Knowledge is amazing. Amen. So form four is not enough. Tell your neighbor, form four is not enough. Hmm? Some of you form four is like an achievement. Hmm? We should see you in the village flashing your form four certificate. Everybody should see you have finished form four. I don't know how now they call it. I think they have changed the system. Now it is what? Is it form four? Is still form four? Yeah. It's not enough. Tell your neighbor it's not enough. Even one degree is not enough. We are getting to a place where you need two or three degrees to be, to be marketable. Yeah, to get a master's. Yeah, to be marketable, to have an age over others. Dropouts, are you here? <laughs> it's time to go back. Increase your value. Increase your strength. Knowledge will fill rooms with precious, precious, and pleasant riches. Glory to God.
Make sure your, your children can go farther than you. Yes, they can go farther than you. Praise the Lord. At least have something. Challenge them in education. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Finish a university is not enough. It's not enough. Add. Add to knowledge. Add other things to knowledge. It will make you a better person. Hallelujah. Give somebody high five. Tell them, I think I'm going back to school. Who are walking around telling us, you know, I'm a secretary. Hmm? I'm a messenger. I'm a driver. It's not enough. Add. Add. Tell your neighbor, add to the knowledge you have. Add. Add to the knowledge you have. Number four, where I'm trying to get to. That was my introduction. Spiritual knowledge. We are talking about progression of knowledge. Spiritual knowledge. Spiritual knowledge begins when you have an encounter with Jesus. When you have an encounter with God. This is a knowledge that begins or that is activated when you get saved. You are living based on five senses. You are only following the dictates of your flesh. And then you encounter Jesus and your whole world is turned upside down. And you encounter God. And you begin a journey of knowing God. Knowing what he loves. What brings him pleasure. And knowing why he created you. And what he created you to do. That is spiritual knowledge. And spiritual knowledge is so vast because you get to know God. You get to know the attributes of God. You get to know the qualities of God. You get to know the names of God. You get to know the power of God. You, know, you get to know how God operates. You get to know the love of God. Then you get to know what brings him pleasure. What is it that makes God happy? Because he created us, according to Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, to bring him pleasure. You get to know what makes him happy, what makes him sad, what makes him elated, what makes him feel like he should bless you, he should be with you, he should protect you, he should cover you, he should be around you. Walking in holiness, serving him, obeying his commandments, being in step with what he's doing. And then also you go further and ask yourself, what is it that God wants me to do? Because now you become a partner with God in terms of establishing his kingdom here on earth. You see, there are many things that God can do without us. In fact, there is nothing that God, I mean, cannot do without us. God can actually do so much without us. True or not true? Are we together? Because some of us think when we go on strike, God will be stranded. God can never be stranded. There's so much more he can do without us. But God has decided to involve us in his projects. He has decided to involve us in some of the things that he wants to see done here on earth. And ladies and gentlemen, one of them is to build him a house. 
is the language of knowledge. He wants you to understand that he wants you to build him a house. Look, God can come here in one day, marshal all the angels and build this sanctuary. Or he can just say, okay, sanctuary, be built. Boom, ready. He can do that. Because he's a mighty God, isn't it? But he has chosen to involve us in his projects. And the reason why he has chosen to do that is because through that, he's able to bless us. Through that, we are able to experience his blessings. Amen. So tell your neighbor, God wants you to know that you must build his house. That is spiritual knowledge. Tell another one, God wants you to build his house. Tell them that is spiritual knowledge. Because if we don't know it, we will not do it. We must know it. We must embrace the truth. We must understand. I mean, why was I born again? Was I just born again to go to heaven? No. I was born again to establish God's kingdom here. I was, I was born again to establish a gateway to heaven here. I must know it. I must believe it. I must embrace it. And I must actualize it. Let's look at David. First Chronicles chapter 28. Are we still together? First Chronicles chapter 28. We're going to read verse 1 to 3. Then we'll jump and read verse 9 to 11. Then we jump and read verse 19 to verse 21. Verse 1 to 3. Now David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel, the officers of the tribes, and the captains of the divisions who served the king, the captains over thousands and captains over hundreds, and the stewards and the stewards over all the substance and possessions of the king and of his sons with the officials, the valiant men, valiant men, and all the mighty men of Allah. He gathered everybody that he could gather at Jerusalem. Then King David, verse 2, then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren, my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made preparations to build it. It was in his heart. Somebody shout in his heart. But God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. There is a lot of blood in your hands, David. You should not build me a house. Very scary. That God even selects the people to build his house. David had it in his heart to do it. He understood the importance of building God a house. Of bringing the ark of the covenant to a place of rest in the house of God. Yet God told him, no, 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 no. You not do it because your hands are full of blood. At least you, your hands are not full of blood. That's from where I'm standing. Ask your neighbor, are your hands full of blood? That's why you should never shed. You, should, you see, let me tell you, shedding, shedding blood, it's not an easy thing. Killing another human being. 
It's not an easy thing. You understand what I'm saying? Killing another human being. It's, it's not an easy thing. Shedding blood of a human being. Let me tell you. You, sh- you, sh- you, sh- you, sh- you should never go that direction. I-, I-, I want to give maximum respect to every single mother here who refused to abort. Maximum respect. We celebrate you today. We celebrate you. Yes. Maximum respect. We celebrate you. Some of you, you are under pressure to shed innocent blood. You said no. We honor you. They didn't clap for you properly, but I, will, I, will, I, will, I also want to do it and clap. David was stopped because of blood. Shedding blood. God has given us a privilege to build him a house. I pray that God may keep us alive until we finish the building of that house. May he keep you alive in Jesus' name. May he keep you alive. May he allow you to build it and finish it. Shout a louder amen in this house. Hmm. That was not my message, but it's a message within, within a message. Jump to verse 9. As for you, my son Solomon, know, someone say knowledge. Know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Verse 10. Consider now for the Lord has chosen you to build. I want to say the Lord has chosen us to build. A house for the sanctuary. Be strong. And tell your neighbor, let's do it. They didn't hear you. Tell them one more time. Let's do it. Verse 11. Then David gave his son the plans. Ooh, I love David. God did not allow him to build. But he had a plan. He gave Solomon the plans for the vestibule, its houses, its treasuries, its upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat. He, David had the architectural drawings of this temple, and he handed over all these plans to his sons. We will go deeper so that I unpack these verses to you as I finish. Amen. Then look at verse 19. All this David said, the Lord made me understand in writing. Somebody say knowledge. By his hand upon me all the works of these plans. Verse 20. And David said to his son Solomon, be strong and of good courage and do it. Do not fear. Nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you, nor forsake you, until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. From these verses, I want to give you three facts about knowledge. Number one, knowledge inspires trust. Knowledge inspires trust. Knowledge will always grant you credibility. 
A knowledgeable man or woman can be easily entrusted with a massive project. If you're not knowledgeable, you can never be given a tender to build an auditorium that can seat 30,000 people. Knowledge inspires trust. When you're knowledgeable in a certain field, then you'll be entrusted with a huge project. Amen. If you go to a hospital, you want a qualified doctor to attend to you. If you have a case in court, you want a qualified lawyer with experience to handle your case, isn't it? If your car breaks down, you want to take it to a quack mechanic, isn't it? You want to take it to a qualified mechanic. Knowledge inspires trust. Say that with me. Knowledge. Say it again. Say it again. David was a knowledgeable man. That's why God entrusted him with this kind of project. It was a massive project, building his house. And you can see that David was not just knowledgeable in spiritual matters. David was a genius right from the time he was young. David could fight. You can't fight effectively if you're not knowledgeable in war. That's why he was able to kill a lion. He was able to kill a bear. He was able to kill Goliath. He had a sling in his hand. You understand what I'm saying? David was a leader who raised warriors. You can't be a leader who raises other people if you have nothing to give to them. And they, he raised such a mighty army that most of them were able to do what David had already done. They killed lions. They killed giant-like people the same way David did. That is knowledge. I think David was ambidextrous. It's, it's a word. Hmm? Ask your neighbor, do you know what it means? That means he was multi-gifted. He had, he, had, he had knowledge in different aspects. Isn't it true? Yeah. David knew how to talk to women. Even though he misused it. But if, but if David comes to you as a you cannot say no. How can you say no to David? Knowledge. Some of these boys are single because they don't know how to talk to women. That's why you keep on being rejected. Your heart has been broken a hundred times. And we are only in March. What if we get to December? Will you even have a heart? Father, I release knowledge to my sons who are single that they may know how to approach ladies in the name of Jesus. You need knowledge to convince a woman to live with you for the rest of her life requires knowledge. Yes. So those who are married, you need to know that you are very skillful. Yeah. It's knowledge. You know, there's a gentleman here I know. The, 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 the wife was to travel out of the country. And the day she was going to get a passport, I think she met the guy. And the guy convinced her. Is it convinced or confused? One of the two. 
And she abandoned her plans to go and look for the passport to travel. And she became his wife. They are planning to travel together. I think, is it seven years or ten years down the line? It requires skill, knowledge. Yes. Yes. The days of just timing somebody, a lady is going to, to the shop, you are timing her. You are timing her. You are timing her. And then you carry her by force. Take her to your house. Look, you'll be jailed. At after a month, you call the parents and say, the daughter you are looking for, she's in my house. My friend, you'll be jailed. Somebody say knowledge. David was knowledgeable in different areas. That's why when God looked at him, he said, if I'm going to have somebody to build me a house, David has issues, but at least let me give him the plan. Let me give him the plan. That's what David said, it was in my heart. Hmm? And he says in verse 19, David says, the Lord made me understand in writing. Understand in writing by his hand upon me all the works of this plans. He knew that if he talks to David and David begins to jot all these things down because he's a knowledgeable man, the temple will come out exactly the way God envisioned it. Knowledge inspires trust. He could not trust Saul with the responsibility of building because you can see that Saul was not as knowledgeable as David. Knowledge inspires trust. Hallelujah. If you want to see how knowledgeable you are, check trust levels. Take yourself to the office and check trust levels. Do they really trust you? Does your boss trust you? Hmm? He said you're very quiet. I'm getting scared. Does your boss trust you? So check your trust level. Check your trust level. You understand what I'm saying? Check your, your trust level. You see, if, 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 if I travel, for example, the reason why I've never called you to tell you you're in charge of the church. <laughs> Please ask your neighbor, have you ever been told, have you ever been called to the office and told, pastor is traveling, you're the one in charge? It's because of what you know. Yeah, what you know is very little. You don't have the capacity to run a ministry of this magnitude. If I just tell anybody to, to, be, to be in charge, when I come, there will be no charge. Isn't it? We'll find all the tumors have been sold. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, 
Knowledge grants you foresight. Knowledge gives you futuristic eyesight. You can see ahead. Hmm? Knowledge makes you live 50 years in your present. You can see 50 years to come. You can see 100 years to come because of knowledge. Knowledge has a way of giving you the ability to make predictions. You can predict. True or not true? Because of knowledge, you can see that countries which have developed, they are thinking of the future. They are not just thinking of now. They are thinking of future inventions. Hmm. The other day, I, I saw something very interesting. In China, they have invented a toy that when it kisses you, you feel like a human being is kissing you. <laughs> I know some of you don't want toys. You want the real thing. But countries are really advancing until they go into some very... <laughs> interesting things. But when knowledge is balanced, I'm telling you, we'll be ahead of our time. You understand what I'm saying? Countries that are developed, you see that they build even roads thinking about 100 years to come. They don't build roads thinking about today. They think about 100 years to come. That's why you go to a road, the road is wide. Because they're imagining in 100 years to come, what if people the number of cars on this road triple. The road should still be able to handle the number of roads. Then come to our people. When a car breaks down on some roads, look, you just call where you are going and you tell them, ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, due to unavoidable circumstances. I cannot make it. Because we are not building for the future. We are building for now. You understand? So, knowledge tells you, look, you must think futuristic. Hallelujah. Yeah, you must think what? Futuristic. You see, if, if our leaders, for example, thought about the future, they should say, let us come up with a plan. Not everybody from other counties should come to Kenyatta Hospital for treatment. Let us have 47 Kenyatta hospitals. They don't have to come. Knowledge. Someone say knowledge. knowledge. Say it again, knowledge. knowledge. Let us decongest Nairobi. Yeah. I mean, during COVID, I realized Nairobi is very small. Because nobody was driving, nobody was moving. I took my family one time. I said, let's drive around and see how big the city is. It's very small. We could crisscross the city within a few minutes. But when you guys came back, <laughs> the city looks big, but it's not big. If the population of Nairobi triples, we will not move. With these roads. Somebody shout knowledge. Shout it again. Knowledge. 
Shout it louder. Knowledge. So knowledge will make us see far. That's why we are building. Because we are seeing the next generation. Look, if we remain in this tent, there is a day this tent will tell us, bye, I'm tired. Yeah, this tent cannot go more than 50 years. The building will stand 100 years, 200 years, 300 years, 400 years, 500 years, 600 years, it will still be standing. Knowledge makes you see ahead. Glory to God. When I was growing up, we used to have this big record player. This big disc. I don't know if you remember it. How many remember that disc? You know, sometimes I wonder if people understand what I'm saying. And then you put that needle on it. Then you get the right spot. And the music begins. And the thing is going round. It's called Santuri. It's going round, 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 round. Then from there we moved to tapes. Remember tapes? Get stuck, you put a biro. <laughs> if you don't like certain music, you forward it quickly. Put it back. Press. Sometimes it sings and then the thing chews it. Hey. When you choose it, man, and it is your favorite tape, you get a screwdriver. You unpack the whole system. To save your tape. Then we move to iPods. No, actually CDs. Walkman. Diskettes. Walkman diskettes. Then from there we move to iPods. Now it is iTunes, YouTube, whatever. I mean, technology is developing. And these guys are thinking about the future. The future. 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 So knowledge will always give you foresight. Amen. It will give you what? Foresight. You see, the owner of Dubai one time looked at the country. You know the country is in a desert. He looked at the country and he told, he asked himself, if we run out of oil as a country, we are done. Then he started projecting in the next 100 years or 50 years, if we run out of oil, this country will go down. So he said, let me diversify and let me forget about oil and ask myself, what else can we do as a nation to attract people here and still boost our economy? That's when they built the tallest building in the world. And they built the hotel that is floating in the sea. They opened up the country and it has become a destination. For some of these celebrities, they got their investment, relaxing. They have, lux they have luxurious hotels, resorts, very nice places where people can go to and relax. At least I've been to Dubai. You, have you been to Dubai? Tell your neighbor, I'll be there in Jesus' name. This is somebody who is thinking about future. Knowledge. Somebody say knowledge. When you have knowledge, you think about the future. You don't just think about now. Praise the Lord. Look at what David did, verse 11 to 12. Are you getting blessed? Verse 11 to 12. 11 to 12. Then David gave his son Solomon the plans. Somebody say the plans. What were these plans? These were the plans for the future. 
I can't build now. But when you become a king, this is what you should do. Say, let me give you the plans of what I've envisioned concerning the future. He gave him the plans for the vestibule, its houses, its treasuries, its upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat. And the plans for all that he had by the Spirit. David had a plan. He saw it in the Spirit. You see, when your knowledge grows, your view or perspective expands. Ah, that's very powerful. Can I say that again? As your knowledge grows, or as your knowledge expands, so does your perspective. Your view widens. Your view broadens. The more you become knowledgeable in a field, the more your perception widens. Because the problem we have with people is people who have is, is people who have narrow mindsets, narrow perspectives. Dealing with people who have narrow perspectives is difficult. Broaden your view by increasing knowledge. You see, can I give you an example? God has given us knowledge in his word concerning so many things. But if your capacity to ingest that knowledge is limited, then your view is also limited. Your perspective is also limited. If you don't embrace, for example, the principles of financial prudence, your, your perspective is very narrow. And so there are many things you cannot see in your life. You, you cannot really make it financially. I'm telling you the truth. You will struggle. You will really, really struggle. You see, many of us, we always just think that one day I'll wake up, I'm walking, and then I will stumble on a billion shillings. That is the day in Itaomoka. That is the day my life will change. That is the day I'll forget all my troubles. That is the day I'll buy a house. That is the day I'm telling you. Hmm. You will see. You will see. I'm telling you, you will see. Now you're 50. You're still waiting for that day. It's because you, 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 your, your perception is so narrow. It's very narrow. But if you can expand your capacity to ingest knowledge concerning investments, concerning growing money, concerning growing your investment portfolio, by the time you get to 50, you don't have to wait to stumble on a billion shillings. You'll just be checking your bank account. And you say, finally, the figures have arrived. Are we together? Tell me about knowledge. Look, you get married and you decide that you're going to run your marriage as an African man. Narrow perspective. When you get to the house, <coughs> nobody responds. You go again. <coughs> the third time, if you do that, nobody responds. It's war. You're beating everything you find on your way. Very narrow perspective. Your knowledge will expand. 
Ask yourself, what does God expect of me as a husband? I have to love my wife. What is loving your wife? He's broad. Loving your wife is not just waiting for the lights to be off. It's broad. <laughs> Please help me preach. Tell your neighbor, it is broad. And do this, do this, do this. Very broad. <laughs> huh? Submission is not just cooking for your husband. It's knowledge. Acquire knowledge. Hmm? You know, as a pastor, sometimes when I counsel people, I can just see a very narrow perspective. Narrow. A man with beard, but with a narrow, very narrow perspective. <laughs> narrow, very narrow, until you wonder. You wonder, even just the years you have lived on earth have not even helped you. 40, but with a narrow, 35, narrow. Limama. Tell your neighbor, widen your perspective. <laughs> Write this before I give you the third one. Knowledge expands your view. You see the future and cease to be a victim of your feelings. Knowledge expands your view. You see the future. And you see, to be a victim of your feelings. Number three, the last one, I have to finish. Knowledge builds. When you see somebody building, they know what you don't. Knowledge builds. When you see somebody building a church, when you see somebody building a business, when you see somebody building a business, when you see somebody building a house, let me tell you, they know what you don't know. And when they finish building, they are way ahead in terms of knowledge more than you. Look, we have started building and I'm learning a lot. Things I never even knew. I'm really learning a lot from that building experience. Knowledge builds. Say that with me. Knowledge builds. Say it again. Knowledge. Yeah, when you have knowledge, you build your marriage. You'll not destroy it. It's only ignorant people who destroy their marriage. So when I see you destroying your marriage, you're, you're a foolish man. It's quiet. It shows how ignorant you are. That you can stand before people and say, I take you as my beloved wife to have and to hold from this day forward, forsaking all others and cling only to you. And then after that, you forsake her and embrace all others. Tell your neighbor, it's stupidity in your head. Ignorance. Knowledge builds. 
Knowledge will, be, knowledge will make you build your marriage. Oh, yes. Build your marriage. You love your wife like crazy. Oh, yes. She will know she has a husband. She will not be even saying Muzeango. She knows she has a husband. Oh, my husband. <laughs> oh, yeah. This side, they are very quiet. I don't know what is happening this side. Knowledge. I say knowledge, knowledge, knowledge builds. Oh yes, as a wife, you will build your home. You build your home. You will make your man flex his muscles. Because you are a knowledgeable, you're not a foolish woman who tears her own house with her own hands. You build it. Oh yes, when the man enters the house, he feels like he has entered his territory of, do, of, of dominion, uh, the, the execution of his dominion. A territory where he's, he can execute his dominion. And he looks forward to coming back home. Yeah, because some men prefer that we have all these matches that run up to late. Manu versus Liverpool. Chelsea versus Arsenal. They are wishing that they can have extra time. Then after extra time, they are wishing we can have penalties. Then they're wishing even the penalty, they don't, res they don't resolve the stalemate. They should keep on kicking the ball until 1 a.m. So when they come back, you are so sleepy, you have no strength to fight them. Umekuja. Utajichemshia chakula. Tell your neighbor, knowledge builds. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why we are building the church. It is knowledge at work. It is knowledge at work, building. Look at what David says here, verse 2. I had in my heart to build. I had in my heart to build. David says, I had in my heart to build. So knowledge does what? It builds. Hallelujah. May God fill you with knowledge to build something. Father, I pray that you infect this congregation with knowledge so that we may build houses, build our marriages, build houses, build the church, build businesses, build companies. Shout yes in this house. I prophesy that you will build. You will not be a destroyer. You will be a builder. As knowledge saturates you, you become a builder in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, clap your hands and give God some praise. Stand to your feet and give God a shout. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.